0: Ephemeral is the protection of iHeartRadio. So Matt and I were talking about bands putting out new music on old formats, mainly tape cassette and vinyl. We have a, a new person who's working at our office named Seth. He runs a record company where he specifically will take your music and make a vinyl record out of it. That's what he does. This guy right here? Yeah. Oh, cool. Seth Nicholas Johnson's label, Haunted Birthday Records, releases music in a truly unique way, utilizing a format which I knew nothing about. This is how he explained it to me as we hung out in the studio and listened to records. You'll hear from us after this track.
1: So who, who is that? That was a guy named Elias Mason. And he made that song with uh, his creative partner, June York. And uh, this was a, uh, a little A-side, B-side single with uh, Swoon on one side and Diamonds on the B-side. So uh, there we go.
0: Swoon on one side and Diamonds on the B-side. Yeah. That was Swoon. This one was Diamonds. This was Diamonds. Yeah. This was the B-side. Yes.
1: Okay. So Seth, just t- what the heck is it that you do exactly? <laughs> Mostly what I do is I run a record label, and in today's world, we live in 2019, running a record label doesn't really mean what it used to mean a billion years ago, right? Like people don't need record labels in the same way they used to need them back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, even the 90s, around around when people could start to self-distribute with any kind of like reliability of like, hey, I can actually just put my album out there, people can actually find it, and then I can actually make money from it. Once that started to happen, I think the world became a much better place. But record labels needed another reason to exist. So the only reason I could find to actually maintain my reason for wanting to have a record label and actually making myself be a company was that I needed to make sure I could provide something to bands, something they couldn't get other places. And the thing I decided just because I enjoy it was to start making a very specific kind of vinyl for people who want it and to, to, to let people have this product that I'm making.
0: So I, I only know a little bit about it. Pretend I know sure. nothing about it. Sure, sure, sure. What 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 is this thing?
1: Specifically, these are lathe-embossed records. So... um. I'll, I'll 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 spell it out in a in a very broad sense. Great. Anyone who's listening who knows like the depths of all the audiophile stuff will correct me on everything. But I'm <laughs> I'm just going to like spell it out in like real simple terms. Cool. Uh, when it comes to creating records, and I'm talking about just like st- like the standard records you buy in a store, like a vinyl record. Um, there are basically three ways to make it. Uh, the most common way is you you basically stamp them. It's like you get two like negatives of the record, negative side A, negative side B, and think about like a oh like a waffle iron. You know, you just like put in the stuff, squish it together, boom, out comes your record. Right, that's that's the standard way to do it. The other two ways, one is called lathe cutting and one is called lathe embossing. So you know what a lathe is, right? Like 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 a wood shop, you I, know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so for our listeners, if anyone doesn't know what a lathe is, basically it's just like a rotating tool. That's all there is to it. So um, the way that a lathe embosser and a lathe cutter works is that there's a record-cutting head with a little stylus on the bottom that's moving at a very precise, very exact, very steady speed and like an X-axis, like across a blank record. And the the stylus, the actual like needle, for lack of a better term, is vibrating with the music that you're putting into right. it. And then that is either cutting a groove or embossing a groove into this piece of plastic, this piece of acetate, this piece of polycarbonate or whatever. People make stuff out of um, chocolate, ice, um, cardboard, anything you want.
0: Well, I've got it written down here. Uh, uh, what all can you make a record out of?
1: So many. I mean I mean to be completely honest, anything. the big question is what's going to sound good? you know, like I've heard an ice record, and it sounds kind of garbage. how um <laughs> okay, well, so when you, where did you where did you hear an ice record? Uh, there was a band I believe it was the shout out louds I'm, i I hope I'm getting that correct, but i'm ninety nine percent sure I am. and what they did is they made a um to release their new single, they released a silicon is it silicone silicon. Which which one is it? <laughs> the know, rubbery stuff? Yeah, the rubber. Silicone. Stuff. Silicone or silicon? No, silicon. Silicon Valley. Yeah, silicone is the rubber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it was a silicon.
0: You could do a silicon record but, but potentially, it'd be, but it'd be very expensive. I think.
1: But the right? silicone was for like the um, almost like uh, like an ice tray. Okay. Right. And so you filled it with water, and they recommended that you used like a nice, like distilled, as clear as possible water, so you don't right. get any, you know, little bumps and stuff. No, no
0: tap water. Yeah, no, yeah, okay. yeah.
1: And uh, you freeze it. And then you put it on your record player, and it's it worked exactly like an ice cube. That's exactly what it was.
0: Oh, so that, again, was just the negative imprint. Yes. Was it only on one side of the – Correct. Correct. So you would just like sort of – like, it would be like making the B-side, I guess. It would, yeah. It, the underside, and it's, it's – uh, what's the right term for that? I mean, it's – it's raised, I guess, in the oh, ice yeah. tray. In
1: the in the um, yeah, exactly. Inside the mold, it would be raised, and then you you fill it, and then the grooves would be there, and then you you would you would pop it onto your record player, oh, your regular record player. That's the most dangerous part. <laughs> yeah, got, in a in a walk in freezer or oh, something. You, you got to be careful with that part. I mean, because the it's going to start dripping. You you got to play it once and get rid of it.
0: <laughs> but so you you said you heard one played. Yes. yes. How did it sound? Not
1: very good it's <laughs> still
0: so cool it is like
1: that's that's the fun of analog music is that it it feels like a magic trick you know like and that's that's kind of like the guy who trained me because um, um, there's this guy out in Tucson, Arizona his name is Michael Dixon and he runs a record label called uh, Piaptic Records and right
0: spell it because it's a weird spelling Piaptic yeah. uh,
1: P-I-A-P-T-K it stands for people in a position to know oh okay yes. we'll have
0: to link it yeah, and uh,
1: he, he he's a fantastic dude, and he um he trained me everything, everything I know I learned from him basically, other than like the things I've you know gleaned other places. But uh yeah, that's like where I got my machine was from. This dude, whenever I need like new styluses for my machine, I have to like write to him to get them. Like he's he's my connection.
0: I, I want to talk more about all the things that records are made out. But let yeah, me yeah. let me back all that. So so there's three kinds of ways to make a record. Oh, yes, and yes. yours. Lathe embossed. Is the embossed. What's the difference between the embossed and the other kind of lathe? Lathe cut. Yeah, what's the difference between the cut and the embossed?
1: Uh, Think about a muddy field, okay? Great. Okay. I'm there. And you are carrying a stick in your hand, all right? And you're walking and you're dragging the stick behind you in this muddy field. So you're not actually getting rid of any of that mud. You're just creating a groove from where your stick is dragging. So all the... I guess excess mud is just kind of slightly going out, and maybe creating slight ridges mm-hmm. along the edge, right? So that's that's embossing. You're not removing any material from the actual physical blank record. You're just slightly pushing it away, oh. and so every once in a while, the fascinating thing about that is that um, so it creates these things that are referred to as horns. horns. Horns, And so what it is is uh, every once in a while on a lathe embossed record, when you drop the needle on, it won't land in the groove. It'll land on the horns. And it'll sound like it's broken and terrible. <laughs> and so that's fun too. <laughs> so if
0: you go to a regular music store and you buy a record, mm-hmm. it's uh, – It's usually a pressed record. A pressed record. Oh, yes. OK. Yes. So that's pouring, what, vinyl in or
1: something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's standard vinyl. I believe it's – Science word like you know yeah. polyvinyl chloride or something, and um, if you go to a factory, you'll see them. They come in what are called either biscuits or pucks, and it looks just like um kind of like a little hockey puck, mm-hmm. like that shape of like soft polyvinyl chloride. I'll, I'll pretend, and uh, yeah, yeah, it looks just like a waffle ma- waffle maker. Just presses it down, opens up, pull out your record,
0: and that's the most economic way to make a bunch of BG's records.
1: Yes, but, but but that's the problem. But from what you just said, and that that also explains why I do this entirely, which is if you go to a standard record manufacturer mm-hmm. and you say, "Hey, I would like a record made, please." They go, "Great." And you go, "I need 150." They go, "No, no, 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 no." Like the cost to make one record in an actual plant well right, actually manufacturing the plates and stamping it is so big that you can't do it in small batches. You have to um, – most places have a minimum of 300 records mm-hmm. and a wait of about three months to get your records. What does it cost to get 300 records done at a place like that? Oof, a lot. A yeah. whole lot. Like um, in all honesty, our prices per record are actually pretty comparable. Mm-hmm. Um because uh, it's actually pretty expensive still to make physical records no matter who you are and at what level you're doing it. Oh, so um, our prices are actually pretty similar. The differences are that they only have to do it once. Whereas I, if I'm doing uh, – since I'm using my machine and my plastic and going through the, through the motions, if someone orders 15 records from me, I'm doing them at 1x speed. 15 times.
0: Right. So take me through that step by step. Sure. Make a a record in in your mind here. Totally.
1: Um, And and this is the way that I do it, the uh, lathe embossing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it.
0: That's Uh, what you're here for. That's what you're an expert (laughs) on.
1: Totally. So uh, what I'll do is uh, first I call up my plastic manufacturer and I order a whole bunch of polycarbonate. Uh, Polycarbonate is basically plexiglass. Uh, It's used for eyeglass lenses. It's used for bulletproof glass. It's used for... You know, all that transparent plastic glass substitute that's polycarbonate. Um, through trial and error, um, all of the people who have done this over the years have discovered that that's what works best for this system is because you can do this onto, like I said, almost any surface. People have done it onto like picnic plates or like just anything any any surface you can imagine, you can do it into it, but it just might not sound very good. So polycarbonate is the easiest to get. Sounds pretty good, and it's also just like very—it's um, malleable. It's easy to acquire. It's common, you know. Mm. So I contact my plastics manufacturer, and depending upon what size I need, if I'm making seven-inch uh, records, or twelve-inch records, I'll be like, "Hey, I need twelve-inch um, records." They come in these like sheets. I'm like, "Hey, can you cut these into twelve-inch squares for me?" They go, "Sure thing." Zip, 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 I drive out to my place, that's OTP, you know, in uh, Alpharetta or something, pick up my records and then I, or I'm sorry, pick up my squares of plastic, <laughs> bring them back home uh, and then the next step is I need to cut them into a circle because a 12-inch square will not fit on a record player because the actual sides will run into the edges again right. and again. So I need to cut it into a circle. So I have a um, – I believe it's – yeah, it's a router, a circle router. Oh, where, yeah. where I put a cir- circle jig on it and go – cut it into a circle. Then I uh, have um, a drill press where I'll drill the hole in the middle of the record into it. Zhip, zhip. And then there we are. We have a just plain blank plastic circle. I then go to my machine. And these machines are very odd. They are um, – Leftovers from the radio era, like, and I'm talking like 1930s radio era. So, um, God. yeah, all like pretty much all of the lathe, the, the homemade lathe machines in the world are all about a hundred years old at this point. Wow, yeah, I didn't know that at all because they're all just leftover parts, no one manufactures machines for this anymore. So, um, most people, uh, in this field and in this hobby, I suppose. Um, use a machine called a Presto Six N. That is horribly uninteresting to most people, but that is the exact kind. Is that what you have a Presto Six N? I'm I'm fancy, so I have a Presto Eighty Eight G. So oh I see, I see. <laughs> the uh, the there's not much of a difference. Um, the only difference is like mine is a pretty big console and it um, is a bit more rigid and rugged, so I don't have to fiddle with it as much. I can do a lot of records with um, some. Uh, Uh, assurance that it'll work out well. Whereas if you're using a 6N, you have to kind of like check after every single record you make to make sure that it's working still. Because I mean, if you think about it, like the whole idea of records is based on the idea of um, vibration. So if your machine is perpetually vibrating for hours on end, all your little adjustments, all of your your screws that are tightened, everything that needs to be where it is, it's just subtly shaking itself out of alignment the whole time you're using it. So it's uh it's, it can be really annoying. <laughs> yeah, that seems pretty problematic. <laughs> yeah, so so these machines, like I said, um, they are old. Um, you know, so old days of radio, right? So we're talking like fibrim McGee and Molly, you know, like are talking about. Whom? Oh, that's like an older 30s or 40s radio show, Fibber McGee and Molly. It
0: was Fibber McGee and Molly? It was very popular back in
1: the day. <laughs> no, I, I totally believe you. I'm going to have to – that <laughs> reference went right over my head. Yeah. Um, I, I, I am coincidentally also very into old-time radio. So we can talk about The Great Gildersleeve all day. Don't worry about it. <laughs> wow. Okay. We're going to have – I'm going to have to
0: check my references again.
1: All right. Anyway, in the days of Fibber McGee and Molly – Yeah, uh, back then um, – most radio shows back then were made to be played once and often just done live and then over. They, th- th- That's it. They move on to the next one because the concept of reruns wasn't really a thing yet. So uh, apparently I wasn't there. But apparently one of the things that really spurned on the whole idea of a rerun was World War II because during World War II, um, they still wanted to have um, military radio stations playing like a lot of the shows they played here But they couldn't like broadcast them at the same intervals and same times because, you know, it's international, blah, blah, blah. So they started actually putting things onto records. And they had to figure out a way how to do that. So that's where these Presto 6Ns came in. Pretty much every single um, radio station uh, back in the days, let's let's say the 30s through the 50s, had a Presto record maker in their building amongst all their stuff. And so – and same thing with like a weather report or or like a news bulletin or anything – if you just had to have something and then replay it later, that's how you did it, and so so that's where these machines came from. And one day someone realized, oh man, you know, I could do something with this, and I um various people started hobbyists just started developing ways to make this all work. So so that, so anyway, so I go to my machine with my new newly made plastic circles, mm-hmm. walk up to them and. Uh, I take my music source. Now, the music source can be nearly anything. The way I have my system set up in my house is um, it's all based on a one-eighth inch outlet. So anything that can be plugged into a one-eighth inch headphone jack, I can put onto a record. And Your iPod. Yes, exactly. My iPod. Uh, we di-
0: both are owners of – we're current owners of iPods still.
1: You have to be. <laughs> I don't have the alternative. I don't know what it could be yet. Um and then you uh, you plug it in. And um, if, if you're smart, you would probably master it a little bit before to make sure you're taking full advantage of everything that you're doing. Like a, I, I run it through a graphic equalizer and I have a, a, a preamp where I can turn things up and down and all that kind of stuff. But generally someone has sent you – I mean if you're doing work for somebody, somebody mm-hmm. has sent you the finished yes. file. Yes, yes. But um, even then, even – so let's say the song we heard earlier, right. okay? Um, uh, th- this person, Elias Mason, would have sent me this song and said – here you go, uh, here's a song, please put this on a record, blah, blah, blah. Here's the details. I go, great. Um, I still have to do this thing where it's um, – so the, there's a thing called the RIAA curve, you right. know. Okay. So I have to invert the RIAA curve in the equalization because the way that we handle music now has almost nothing to do with the way – how we used to handle music in the 1930s through the 50s. I mean because think about things like bass. Bass mm. didn't exist back then. You know what Not I mean? Not really, yeah. Yeah. And then um, also um, stereo. Stereo didn't exist right. back then. Um, <laughs> there, there's all these little things that they had no way of anticipating. And so um, that that's why I I specifically make mono lo-fi records. That is my thing. Like I don't yeah. – I with my machine, I could do hi-fi. I could do some stereo stuff if I wanted to. But it's like, no, 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 no. My goal is to be as attainable as possible to everyone. So therefore like – I want it to be simple. I want it to be direct. I want it to be pure, you know? Mm-hmm. And um so so that's that's why my my records are coming from a 100-year-old machine that is creating basically the same noises you could hear back then, but just tr- being forced through a modern a modern machine kind of going through that 100-year-old machine. And um so yeah, th- then I put the machine on, lower the arm, um the cutting stylus. Uh, you can use a lot of different Gems, basically. Um, I've used. Um, let's see. What's what? <laughs> there's so many you can use. Mostly, I use ruby. R- a ruby stylus works the best. Is it, it actually made out of ruby? Mm-hmm. Oh wow! It's it's red. It's uh, transparent. It's it's full blown ruby. Um, there's sapphire styluses too that work pretty well. Um, oh, I thought gem was. I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't realize you meant actual gems. I mean actual gem and. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then if I if I was doing lathe cutting, let's go back to that um, that field of mud and you mm-hmm. drag in your Please. stick. Yeah. Now pretend instead of a, a stick, you have a shovel, and you are actually removing the dirt and putting it somewhere else. Removing it, putting it somewhere else. Then you need a diamond stylus for that. Right. Yes. Okay. And that's that's for the actual cutting. And when you're cutting it, you'll actually see a ribbon. Of the acetate because you also have to use acetate if you're cutting and you'll see it coming off and that is the most flammable substance i've ever encountered <laughs> really <laughs> yes because <laughs> i also have to uh, treat my plastic right before i cut um you can do a lot of things you can do uh, turtle wax you can um uh, me personally i use lighter fluid uh i, I will take a, a, a just standard barbecue lighter fluid Squirt it on top with like a little apothecary bottle. Rub it into the plastic to start. It kind of softens it a little bit, makes it a bit mm-hmm. more malleable, and uh, and that's then I put on the needle. Play the play the music back in in real time, one x, and that's vibrating my my needle, my ruby stylus, and it, it uh, moves across the record. And then I put it down. Zip 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 zip. Pull it up. Pop it off. There we are. And so that the
0: first one you've just gotten, Elias's. Mix Mm -hmm. and you're cutting the first the first side of the first record. Correct. Does that thing come out to be a coaster?
1: Oh yeah. No, the the the, the first I'm gonna say on average the first two or three are coasters because because um, it it also has a lot to do with actually making it sound good too. Mm -hmm. Because if you you can make it just come out no problem the first time, but. Not only does every machine have, like, its own kind of, like, quirks when it comes to the machinery, it also has its own quirks when it comes down to just, like, standard, how does this sound? Does it sound good? You know, like, my machine, for example, I know that its sibilance... Is really hard. Like right, I'm thinking about my graphic equalizer in my brain. Like right here, mm. I gotta turn this down. Like ten
0: thousand hertz, not Exa- too high. Exactly. No, I'm right. Okay. Exactly.
1: And then, um, yeah, and I, 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 gotta roll off the low end. I got there's, there's just like all these like little things that like I know my machine needs, and so I can try to do those things in advance. But w- you're not gonna know how it sounds until you cut one and listen to it. No so, matter what. So
0: your process is like. You cut one, mm-hmm. and then you just – you take it off, and you just sit there and listen to it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then
0: you say, hmm, a little less on the 10,000, roll off a little more bass, and you just do another one. You listen to it. And then once once you're in a groove, do you keep listening to
1: them one at a time? Uh, so let's say I'm done. I found – like, I'm happy with it. Yeah. I'm like, okay, great. I have, I have this side. I am happy. This is good. Here we go. Um, then I will cut one more – with those exact settings to make sure that like, all right, everything is perfectly still doing it again. And I so I've listened to two in a row, you know, being like, okay, this this is replicatable. It's working. <laughs> then I will uh, usually go every few I'll check just to make sure that it's still moving, moving forward and moving well and nothing's getting in the way and no sound differentials have happened. Because, you know, this isn't playing through a speaker. All I can hear is the subtle vibration noises. It's kind of like when you listen to a record player that isn't hooked up to speakers where you right. can still kind of like hear that song but it's just kind of a weird tinny noise in the background mm-hmm. that's more or less what my record machine sounds like when it's cutting is just <laughs> that's that's what it sounds yeah. like so you have to kind of like just hope that that sound is actually making it all the way through onto the onto the machine itself so yeah still every few records i'll just do a quick needle drop just to make sure it's still working right just but, a quality um, check but uh, but yeah, the, the, so yeah. Then I'll just do that until the uh, the order is fulfilled. And um, usually, like 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 my whole thing is to be obtainable. That's my right. whole goal. Is I want literally every single person who just makes music and wants to put it on a record to do it. So that's why, I, like at my record label, we don't have any minimums. If someone wants to contact me for one record, yeah, I got gotcha. you. We we'll, we'll do this, you know. And um, so the point. Of doing that is I have to make sure that all of my goals are aimed towards keeping it as inexpensive as possible, not only for them, but for me as well. Because if I don't stay in business, then they definitely don't right. get anything. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's say there's a B side. So, right. so I've cut the A side. Do you sometimes do ones with just an A side? Yeah, yeah, sometimes. Uh, a lot of artists uh, – oh, well, actually, here I'll hand you one. Great. Here's one. Oops. There we go. That one, you can pull it out. That one's yeah. got a um, an engraving on one side. Oh wow, this is
0: the actual. Re- I thought this was just like um, the cover or something.
1: Oh wow, that's so cool. So so yeah, that's got an etching on one side of uh, one man shaking another man's hand and uh, it exploding cause it came from I <laughs> believe a an old like gag catalog mm. of like selling like you know novelty gags and whatnot. Just like traced out from a yeah 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 traced out from a book. And um, so what I did is on one side is a song. Yeah, and on the other side, and I, that's that's the thing too. I had to just do this again and again and again. I took a little um, jewel engraver, little yeah. like bzzz, things, and it just had to draw that, you know, several times until it was done. Um, so that's one reason for wait. A,
0: so you cut the record, you had the lathe cut the music, yes. on one side, yeah. and then you. By
1: hand, did this illustration on yeah. how many records? Uh, that one, I, I it was definitely in the tens. Um, I'm gonna say less than fifty. Less than fifty, I'll say. <laughs> and and it's it's multi- this is a pretty involved. Like there's like here's a couple more cross hatching on the tie of
0: the guy, and there's like it's a it's a full cartoon. Oh, here. And, and yeah, there's multiple images. This this was
1: a series. Oh oh so oh so you did a different. There were multiple versions of each image, but there were also multiple images. Yeah. So this is what, like, a lady and some jello, eating some jello, or she's about to, but there's a fly on it? Or I, I would assume this was an advertisement for uh, plastic flies to stick in people's food as a gag. Oh, right. In, like, okay. the 1920s. So, yeah. And so, yeah, that's either mashed potatoes or ice cream. I don't know what that could
0: be. <laughs> and then this is... Some like uh, two hands holding cards, some kind of trick
1: deck. Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh. So, so yeah, These I mean, are really involved. Oh, yeah. No, no, it's it's a lot of fun, and, and that's kind of the thing I like about it too. Is that I'm, I'm gonna make an analogy for you. You ready? Okay, so back in like the old days of um, let's go with art <laughs> in general, writ large <laughs> art, uh, people start off with like cave paintings, right? Right, and uh, they're doing their cave painting things, and um. They're doing what they can with what they know, and they're they're painting their bison, and they're 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 like hunters, and it's all, all all you've seen cave paintings, you know. Sure. As they develop, they got closer and closer to actually representing what they actually saw, like the photorealism. Uh, well, actually, <laughs> bad choice of words because there were no photos yet, but you know what I mean, like the actual like representation of what was in real life and what they were creating. So we're now we're up to like the Renaissance naturalism, era. perhaps. Yeah, exactly. It's like. People could actually paint what they saw now because they had acquired enough skills over the ages. Three-point perspective and all those techniques. All the good things. Had yeah. made, them, made them better and better artists. And then the camera was invented. Mm. And that's when things got interesting. You know what I mean? Because, mm. like, as soon as the camera was invented, that's when all of the best art, in my opinion, started happening. That's when you got, got you know— you know, uh, abstract expressionism. That's when you got pointillism. That's when you got all these really cool things because you didn't need to right. be a replicator of reality. We had that. So now painters got to be whatever they sort wanted. Sort of unlocked
0: everybody just, yeah. so, so paint painted the giant canvas and things.
1: Definitely. So, so I feel that way um, about the records I do in obviously a very small way. But what I do is like... So artists will come to me and they're like, wait, 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 why mono and why lo-fi? I'm like, well, if you want a perfect reproduction of your sound, you've got it. You've got a wave file. You've, you've got an MP3. That will never change. You got it. Yeah. Don't worry about it. If if that, if you want a perfect replication, we got FLAC lossless all day. You you and it and it will never degrade. You're right. you're perfect. If you want something else. <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah. I, I will make an etching onto a thing of a lady with a fly in her mashed potatoes <laughs> and put it put your song on the B side. And it's 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 mostly um my main clients are artists that are I, I don't want to say unpopular, because I think most artists are unpopular. Like mm-hmm. I think writ large, if we think about every single artist in every single medium throughout the world, like what, maybe 1% is popular from each 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 genre?
0: Yeah, maybe that might be stretching it. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So so I really am for everyone else. And it's funny cuz like I don't know why people don't target that demographic more cuz most of us are unpopular. <laughs> Aim for the unpopular, you know? Yes. So um so yeah, my, my, my clients are 100% people who are like, "Wait, you're charging me I, I need 300 minimum records in my order. Like, I don't have 300 fans. I can't do that. Most of us don't have 300 fans. That's silly. So so that's my audience. My audience is people who just – they need 20, they need 50, whatever. And then they're going to sell them at their shows while they're touring. They're, they're going to a record show. They want to do things. I actually have been getting quite a few um, very personalized records, which is really nice. Like, um, I've done – people will like record their child's first words like on their oh, iphone yeah. and so then they'll want something special to remember that by cuz obviously there's gonna their, their phone's gonna die their sim card'll get corrupted and then that that memory is gone so they'll send me that file and be like hey can you put my child's first words onto a record absolutely why not and then why not do some really cool packaging for it? So too. what's
0: so what's that one look like? The first word, the person that sent you the first words, what did that record look like?
1: That one, I was actually, I, I love that one because um, the guy I was dealing with, I guess I won't give his name just in case he wants it to be a secret, but mm-hmm. he is a a, a fantastic artist. Um, I Before all this, I don't want to confuse the whole world, but I, I came into into this realm from um, the, the world of the fine arts and, and animation. Like that's where I've spent all of my life. Oh, well,
0: it pay, yeah, I it doesn't work so well in the audio format, but these <laughs> right. records are like incredibly uh, I can't believe they're done by hand.
1: But yeah, yeah, no, it took a long time. <laughs> but um but that's where I come from. So I have a lot of friends in the art world. So this this example I'm talking about specifically, uh, a friend of mine, it was a gift for his wife and um oh, so that good job. Dude. Yeah, and, and I'm going
0: to steal your idea. Oh,
1: Totally. And and so he um uh, he's already a great artist, so I was like, okay, here, I'll decorate the disc for you, and then you I'll just send you a white blank sleeve so you can decorate the outside. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think I've got one around here somewhere. I did just a simple uh, stamp set. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Um, one of our uh, coworkers, uh, Andrew Howard, is in that band. Oh, Spooky Booty and the Tombstone Goofs. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I can believe that Andrew's in that band. <laughs> yep. I'm sure it's great. Uh, so I did, I did something kind of similar to that for that one, which is just like hand-stamped real lo-fi, just just looking real simple. It kind of yeah. looks
0: like maybe, you know, a kid did it in, yes. you know, in class or in their church Sunday school project. Totally. That's smeared a little bit. The Y is smeared in booty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can we play a little bit of this one?
1: Um, I don't know. I don't know.
0: Just play it. I'll cut it out. Let okay. me just hear a little bit of Andrew's band. Is this new?
1: No, no. This is really old. This is really old? And and and, and in fact, let's uh, make sure this may not even be what we think it is. Because uh, one of the things I do often is, um, let's say I'm making 25 records for mm-hmm. someone, right? Um, I, I make 26. That way, if one gets broken or corrupted or something, then I was like, phew, I don't have to start all over again. Right. I can just give them that extra one and I'll keep the garbage one for myself. So this might be a garbage one.
0: Okay, i ho- I kind of hope. I kind of would love to hear what the coasters sound like too. I, I
1: was glad that we actually got. Um, what was it? Um, that skip when we played the first time. When we got that one skip. <laughs> no, I, I think like, yes! we both went like, oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was good. So let's see what we got. This one might be a coaster.
0: Oh, that's great though. It's Andrew Howard, everybody.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Let's see what else we got in here. Oh. This one's definitely a coaster, but I know who this is. Yeah, this is an artist named Phantom Manor. Oh, yeah. It's grooving. But yeah, this is a total garbage
0: version. It seems like the output volume's kind of low. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Fascinating, fascinating. <laughs> Let me
0: look through some more of these records. Absolutely. What uh, what uh, what else? What else is uh? I'll,
1: I'll hand you a bunch. Here we go. I
0: know it's a little hard to summarize because there's just like. Like, so this is knit. Oh, yes. And a lot of these are s- square. These are – so what – give me the specs of this of uh, this record here. So
1: that is a 7-inch record. Uh, it's 7 inches square. And I like the square because it holds the shape of the packaging a lot better. So, for example, the one you're looking at right now, that is a knit record sleeve. <laughs> and so because of that um, – like if you just put a circle inside that exact same packaging, mm-hmm. it would have like these floppy edges, Right. you know. So uh, the the alternative to that, actually, I'm going to hand it to you.
0: You could use this as a pot holder afterwards. Oh, yeah. Afterwards, I don't, you put the just while you're playing the record, I guess. <laughs> so here you've got like a knit. Twelve inch, twelve inch,
1: and so uh, the twelve
0: inches have to be circular, exactly, or else they
1: won't fit on a standard record player. But um, so in that case, I was able to uh, get a little interior sleeve to make sure I hold, you know, Mm -hmm. the shape of the uh, actual knit thingamajigs,
0: right, like what you would have in a uh, in a normal uh, thirty three. Exactly, that sort of yeah paper insert that goes inside of the record sleeve
1: yeah and so yeah the, the the knit sleeves are something i do simply because i like to knit oh my god <laughs> so that's just something i do and so it. it just how do you find time of that. to do all these things i don't know <laughs> I, I i love to make things and i i love to stay busy so um yeah the, the knit album sleeves are really fun because uh do you remember that wu-tang album a while ago um it was this one for a while ago where um do you remember a guy named martin shkreli Huge jerk. He like, yeah, he like played up all how this. How did he come up in this? Okay, here's yeah. how. Here's how. Yeah. So, so uh, a, a long time ago, I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say five to six years ago, maybe, maybe even longer than that at this point. There was, um, a Wu Tang Clan album called Once Upon a Time in Shaolin that they made one and only one copy of, mm. period. And so they made this, they put it out into the world, and they're like, hey, whoever wants to buy this, then they get to do whatever they want with it. Unfortunately, the person that bought that album was Martin Shkreli.
0: That's what – I do remember this story, yeah. Yes.
1: And so he paid an obscene amount of money for it. He's the one and only owner. Then he got sent to jail for being a jerk and – He drastically inflated the price on uh, – AIDS medication. AIDS medication. Yes, what a scumbag! Absolutely, we don't even need to throw an allegedly in there. <laughs> he is a scumbag, and um, so yeah. N- now that album is out there in limbo. But anyway, that that example I only bring up because I love making one of a kind records, and those knit ones are that. That one like, because it, I mean, I'll, I'll be completely honest with you that that little one, the little seven inch knit mm-hmm. album, that one is uh, forty hours to just knit that sleeve, and so because of that. People don't want to pay for that. You know what I mean? Like people will buy like one copy tops (laughs) and and then that is kind of the fun of it. Like I I do these things uh, probably at least on a quarterly basis called the Haunted Birthday Mystery Record. Oh, I guess I haven't said the name of my company. It's Haunted Birthday Records. So the Haunted Birthday Mystery Record, I make once per quarter and I contact some artist and I'm like, hey, I'm going to put out one and only one copy of this album ever. Do you want to contribute to it? And artists love to do that. And it's that a compilation
0: with people on your on your label or?
1: Uh, pretty much anyone. Anyone yeah. I can contact. Because yeah. I don't tell anyone who's on it. <laughs> I don't tell them. I don't. I, I, I honestly mostly give them away. Sometimes I'll sell them. Sometimes I'll hide them places. You know how there's a thing in um, in Atlanta, the Free Art Fridays sure. thing? I, I've, I've given them away for Free Art Fridays before. And yeah, it's just a... It's just a complete mystery. I will never tell someone who's on it. like there there could be just like, I'm, I'm gonna jump to a, an extreme to prove a point, but there could be a Beyonce single that no one's ever heard on one of my haunted birthday mystery records. and that's just the way it is. and I never I'm is never there a tell beyonce
0: anyone. single on one of your? I can't tell you <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, but but that's kind of the fun of it is that it could be anyone. And I, I really enjoy doing that. That's something I do probably quarterly, which is, you know, just, just for kicks. And that's that's the other thing that I love about this style of record making is that the, the buy-in and the stakes are so low that you can just do art for art's sake and have fun and make dumb things and put them out into the world because who cares? You know, if I had to make 300 copies of a mystery record— then, like, I would put some time and energy because it's an investment of of resources and money to actually put out these 300 things into the world. I need to make sure there's enough of an audience for it. I need to make sure that it, like, appeals to enough people to make sure I'm blah, 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 blah. If I'm only making one copy... It could literally just be farts for like, you know, (laughs) five minutes on each side. And who cares? Have you done
0: any like sort of large uh, runs, longer runs of – what's maybe the biggest
1: one that you've done? Um, I'd say in the the hundreds. Once people reach 300, that's when I tell them I'm like, hey, I'm very willing to do this for you. But – Since you're making this many, you can just contact a regular... It's going to be cost-effective at at, at that point. Exactly. You're
0: going to break through. And
1: also also time-effective, too. Right, because you have
0: to go and still do every single one, one at a time. Yes.
1: So, so yeah, I I would say the biggest orders I've ever done have been in the hundreds. And then, like, yeah, once people ask me to do, like, a 500 run for them, I'm like... Are you sure here's here's what I would recommend but I can do this if you want me to
0: yeah. do, do, do your discs so I call them discs but they're not necessarily discs do your records all are they all
1: playback at the same speed are they all 78s or 33s or I can do I can do it for uh three different speeds I I can do 33s 45s and 78s yeah. um but I usually do 33 and a third simply because I want to fit as much content onto each record right. as possible but uh yeah I can I can I can do any of them why don't you play something else? Give me you another. Got, give me another example of something here. Okay, here hand I'll, hand me, you the, I'll hand you the stack back. Do you want to? Do you want to hear some? Uh, let's see, some local, like a local electronic artist, or you want to hear a California punk band?
0: California
1: punk,
0: uh, local electronic. Mm-hmm. Those both sound good. Um, we'll play them both.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so here, I'll, I'll start with uh, local artist. Uh, this is a woman named Puma Shock. She is. Absolutely one of my favorite musicians. Um, She has this amazing project uh, that she's working on right now uh, called High Score. And what it is is that she takes um, a video game and she plays it on mute, okay? And then she imagines— She plays
0: it like she's got the controller. Yes. Okay.
1: And so she's playing the video game on mute and she imagines what she thinks that game sounds like. And so then she will write the music and basically replace it in her mind. So I have that here. This, this is from a uh, this is from a video game called Golf Story, and this is this is what Puma Shock thinks that music would have sounded like if she would have unmuted her television.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Luma Shock. Hire her for your next video game composition project. Those are fantastic. Isn't
1: that great? No, no, she's fantastic, both as a human being and as a musician. And uh, yeah, that second track was called Hungry Hearts Diner. So that was the second game that was on that one where, yeah, so Golf Story and then Hungry Hearts Diner.
0: I have to imagine that that music was way more fantastic than the music that was in the golf video game. I mean, I don't know really, but golf doesn't really strike me as having necessarily all that... um, evocative of
1: music you're, you're dead right and and that's that that to me is the fun of this too is like anything you want just do it just do it you know I love it I love it it's so much fun oh but we were saying while the music was playing I
0: was, well I was thinking about the difference between I think about this a, a, a bit in my own life the difference between listening to a record mm-hmm. or what it was like when really that was what there was to listen to you know I, I, I grew up in a in the era where there was CDs, you know, my first music was on CDs, and mm-hmm. some stuff on tape cassette, too. Uh, like, I had a Walkman when I was a little kid, right? you know, and obviously now have a tremendous amount of digital things that I can just click on and, and you know, come instantly to my ears. Uh, plenty of other things that I have to scrounge for, too, still. <laughs> but, you know, I was list- we were listening to, what, uh, some old, long, Pink Floyd songs together, mm-hmm. my wife and I. Mm-hmm. And just, like, you know don't skip to the next track. Just listen to the whole side. And then yeah. when it's done, you got to walk over and flip it over.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: just the experience of it, listening to it is is, is different, I guess.
1: I, I think a big part of it is it, there is a feeling of commitment. Mm-hmm. It's you saying, I'm intentionally doing this. I am setting aside some time. I am physically standing up. I am moving this. I am dedicating my energy to this. And, and, and like you said, it, it makes it harder to skip. It makes it harder to ignore, you know, and I actually I feel that way about streaming music in general. I mean, I'm by no means putting down anyone who likes streaming music. I know it is the main format for everyone these days. But personally, I've never liked streaming music because it feels too disposable for me to give it enough attention. So if I go to a store and I buy a record, I know uh, that I have paid for this. I'm bringing it home. I'm putting it down on my record player. I'm playing it and I give it. That amount of attention, you know, I've, I've had to make decisions. I've had to decide what record I wanted to buy. I've had to and, – and when I say record, I also mean CDs. I still buy CDs all the time too. And there's a commitment there that makes me give it as much attention and, and as much, I guess, dedication as it requires of me as compared with when I stream something. It just kind of happens at me. And whether I do anything or not, it's just going to keep going or stopping or whatever. It it, it it means nothing. You sort of just dip into that continuum. Yeah, and it, which is fine. I'm, I'm not putting it down. I just know that for me personally, I pay more attention to an album and to music in general if I've made any kind of small commitment to it, any kind. You know, if I've just bought in a little right. bit, I, I'm paying attention.
0: I, in that relationship that we have with – Media, I think, has changed a lot in really the last 10 years or so. I mean, mm-hmm. Netflix, Spotify, the other ones. Exactly I every mean, other one. <laughs> but like in the early days of digital music or, you know, when, when the MP3 first came around, the iPod, it mm-hmm. was still about um, having, yes, keeping, yes. Uh, archiving. You know, I own this thing. And now it's much more like, oh, I – Pay a service for you know I pay a fee for this service to maintain my music collection for me.
1: I, I don't like it. He
0: <laughs> doesn't like it. I don't like
1: it at all. And it, I, so I,
0: let me tell you what one mm-hmm. of the pros of that is for me. Oh, hit me. is yeah. that I I have a kind of big personal library at home of mm-hmm. all kinds of things that I some of which I will never ever part with and some of which I f- don't know what to do with but I can't part with you know tapes films videos, things that are family historically significant, things mm-hmm. that I just haven't had the time to go through. Um, I just got rid of every CD I owned.
1: Wow.
0: I've kept wow. all my tapes. I kept uh-huh. all of my – there's two CDs that are on my desk right now that I don't know are in any other format. Like I don't know if they're online. Right. Um, I could rip them and then have them in a – st- but you have to maintain that file, so I have to know where the file lives. Right, As right. opposed to if it's on like a
1: – but Spotify surely doesn't have everything. Oh, and the thing that I hate most about Spotify is that it's in flux. That, that, that you may not notice it, but there are albums that you'll listen to one week, and then the next week you go back to listen to it again, and it's gone. Right. It, they're it, working
0: it, out that licensing. I'm sure it's yes. very complicated for the people that are in the legal department at Spotify. Absolutely.
1: And, and so that's that's one of the saddest things to me. Like I'll, I'll give you a perfect example that is uh, movie-based, which is uh, Pee Wee's Big Holiday. Did you ever see that movie? Oh,
0: gosh.
2: It's-
1: I wanted to say yes immediately, but I can't remember anything about it. Um, that's this one where he uh, is going to Joe Magnanello's oh, birthday party. Oh, it's the party. new one. Yes, I, yes, I yes. watched
0: it. I watched it shortly after it came out. Yes, yeah. and, and he
1: loves like root beer barrel candy in it a lot, and all all, all that stuff. Anyway, there, there's it's a there's certainly not as distinct
0: things. in my memory as the original one from the '80s. Oh, definitely
1: that one is King of the Crop. That one's amazing. But uh, I love that new one just because I love Paul Rubens. No, it was and very P. it was Herb. very good. Yeah. And the thing about it is, is yes, I've had a Netflix um, you know, account for who knows how long. It's got to be like close to a decade at this point, you know. But what if I don't someday? What if they decide they want to take that movie off there? Then I can't watch this movie I love. Why? Because they say so? And in the old days, we're talking pre-VHS days, that was the way it was. And then we all got used to this world of, no, if I want to watch Who Framed Roger Rabbit, I can watch it whenever I want cuz I own that VHS cuz
0: I've taped it off the TV and was carefully carefully paused it every time a commercial came on. Yes.
1: Yeah. And 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 so so that being the case, the fact that the world's trying to take that away from us, I know that in some regards it's it's helpful. In some regards it is like this thing of like, oh, we're don't worry, we're going to save your shelf space. You don't need to be your own personal curator anymore. But I think there is an ulterior motive which is money. And
0: oh, is that ulterior? I mean, I think that that's <laughs> clearly the motive behind, you know, the the VHS days, mm-hmm. the Spotify days, everything in between, the things before. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And it, it, but it just makes me a little sad that like I can't watch that Pee Wee Herman movie whenever I want. I can only watch it when I have access to Netflix. You know, and that's that's sad to me. I do think something like
0: like I consume most of my new music. I mm-hmm. consume a lot of old music from like places like archive.org right, or, or youtube right. but yeah. like
1: bandcamp. Oh totally, all oh, damn it I love bandcamp so it, much. It's it's, it's it's the best music platform of the past 20 years period. I, I can
0: stumble, I can just go click a couple of things, categories and just stumble on random albums. Pick yes. albums based on the cover that people put on there, yes. which is not even a cover really. We call it a, I'm calling it a cover but it's just an image that's sitting in a square on an, a page. <laughs> an
1: album's avatar. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> but I can in in, in a way that I can't do in any other format. Like, I can't stumble. If you just click next video in YouTube, mm-hmm. you get stuff that you don't want to see yeah. and you can't unsee, yeah. Yeah. Uh, can't unhear. Mm-hmm. In Bandcamp, I end up hearing things that I would never hear anywhere else. Definitely. And I do think that in some way that's, you know, is – you know, owe something to the, to the digital revolution, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. this idea of – but there's the twofold thing on Bandcamp too where it's like, hey, I've got my album streaming here and it's free and you can listen to it whenever you want. You mm-hmm. could buy it and it goes – most of it goes directly to the artist or I maybe have a thing that I put on tape cassette or on vinyl mm-hmm. or some other. I've got a friend that does things on reel-to-reel. Oh, that's so cool. Handmade reel-to-reels. That's so yeah.
1: great. But no, I, I think that's fantastic. And and also one of my favorite features about Bandcamp that you were just talking about, the, like the discoverability of Bandcamp, yeah. is if you go to the homepage, um, they'll have this thing down at the bottom showing in real time what people are buying. So like little things will like pop up, like just like little albums, like this just was bought in Denmark for eight euros. This was just bought in Japan for this much, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if you just see this stream of albums passing by your eyes and you can just click on one and go... What's this? Click and you just see it, and it just reminds me of being in a record store and seeing like um, a uh, the employee recommendations yeah. or seeing like or just uh, listening to the stuff they're playing yes, on the yeah. on the on the speakers in there. And it's just nice, like that that sense yeah. of discoverability. I think is really valuable, and uh, I'm, I'm I, I love Bandcamp. I think they are they are. I, I know that they have a plenty of acclaim. I think they are perpetually underrated, only because they deserve. Uh, all the acclaim, <laughs> they they need it, to be number one. And it's good one. for
0: artists too. I mean, I don't know exactly what the deal is, but the mm-hmm. cut is better, as I understand. Than something it's like Spotify. No, no,
1: my, my record label's on on Bandcamp, and so I I know exactly what the cut is. Oh yeah, it's very little. It's very little. They take like pennies. It's it's nothing. Yeah, it, it's it's something you'll never even notice. Yeah,
0: and I I like also the, um like sometimes like you know you listen to like a vaporwave album for mm-hmm. instance, mm-hmm. and you're like I don't know what part of the world this came from. Yeah. I can't tell. Is this
1: Japanese? Yeah. Does it matter? Mm -hmm. I have, in the past year, released two albums from two completely different bands that both claim falsely that they are from a a small town in uh, Greenland. And and you just don't know where they're from. Oh, I I know where. Actually, I I personally know where they're from because I worked with them both. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But but (laughs) the the fact that two completely separate bands, both on Bandcamp, claim that they are from the same town. I believe it's called Nuke. And I can't spell it. But anyway, yeah. it's written in Greenlandic. <laughs> but um, uh, that that that's claimed they are from the same small town in Greenland. It makes me just so happy. And just it's just so strange to me. And they're very different genres. They're very different everything. One is like a uh, pop punk band. And one is like a complete noise experimental band. And they both are like, yeah, yeah, that's where we're from. It's like, wow. No, you're not. But that's so cool. Because like, you could be from anywhere. You could yeah. be anyone.
0: You know, I think a lot of my, you know, personal music education for a long time was very much based on, like, English language music. Yeah. You know, music that uh, was in characters that I can understand. Totally. And I feel like, you know, perhaps you had to do a little bit more work to get outside of that bubble before, and it's becoming easier to sort of yes. see through to the other side. Yeah,
1: and, and, and I, I really hope, I, I don't know people, I'm sure people do whatever it is people do, but I really hope people are taking advantage of that. Um, I use my wife as a barometer for what is actually reaching the world because like she's very good at having her pulse on what's happening in the world she's a little
0: more in touch and you're just in the other room over your lathe yeah i have a a similar relationship in my life
1: (laughs) yeah and and, and so quite often if there's something i'm really enjoying i'll say to my wife hey do people actually know this or is this just me and she'll tell let me know if like no 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 this is a very popular thing or no 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 one's ever heard of this and uh, that happened last night speaking of foreign language music um have you ever listened to a woman named rosalia Mm -mm. she's best she's a pop star out of spain yeah and i mean pop star straightforward like she's incredibly good at what she does but it's just pop music just plain straight pop music but i've seen my wife i'm like clearly she's super popular right and she's like no i'm like why she's like, she sings in spanish i'm like what what different oh <laughs> you know and it made me so sad it was just like that that's the that's the barrier i, I can I never tell i sometimes
0: feel uh i very often feel put upon by lyrics. Mm, yes, um, I you know I also subscribe a bit to I don't have to go too far in this, but like John Cage's you know school of thought that music doesn't have to be about expressing mm-hmm. you know expressing anything really. Yeah, it can just be fun to listen to. It can just be you can just ex- you can just listen. Yes, uh, yes, uh, without necessarily like having to have someone's feelings put upon you or mm-hmm. or their message and. I I do feel like if I am going to listen to lyrical music music with vocals, it's sometimes really nice when it's like said Icelandic.
2: Doesn't matter. Doesn't
1: matter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, th- there was this, uh, you know, the band Sigur Ros. Of course. Yeah, they they had this one song who sings not
0: exclusively in Icelandic. Right, there's they, a there's
1: Right. Yes. <laughs> they're they're made up language of Hopelandic. Um, they released this one song, I'm going to say, oh, it was a while ago now. it got to be at least a decade. Where they were like, it's our first English la- language song. Check it out. And they played it. And I listened to it. I was really excited. And I was like, sounds like the rest. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. It, I remember that. Yeah. I remember reading about that. Yeah. It was uh, during the uh, Gobbledygook like, era. Which I think was a
0: great era. I agree. I agree. Yeah. agree yeah. I believe that Yanzi, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: uh married in... American guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, um, let's see, their their group. His name is Alex. Alex Summer, I want to say, because they have a band called Yonzi and Alex. And they're very good. Very good. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. Maybe a little bit more upbeat than Cigarettes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll also um, look into Alex Summer's brother is also an amazing musician oh, as really? well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, also good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, um, we maybe got off track a little bit. Definitely. Records. So you
0: cut all those secret <laughs> roast records on your – No, let me – you know, let me ask you, is
1: is business booming? Does I'm, My business always has inquiries. Literally every single day I have a new email from somebody. But a lot of it is people just kind of exploring. A lot of people don't really know what's happening with – both what I'm doing and just music writ large. So like for example I would say on a daily basis daily, no close to daily, (laughs) I get an email from someone going, hey will you make me a record? I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, what you need. And they're like, well, I want this Eagles song on one side and I want this Madonna song on the other side. I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> copyright, copyright. I can't do that for you. Of course not. You know, like. Why would why would you want that exactly? I've heard a couple of things. Yeah. One is um, if they own their own personal jukeboxes in their own homes. Oh, okay. That's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then the other reason um, I uh, have heard from DJs, where if, there's, if they are a vinyl-only DJ... That makes sense. And they, they, they want to keep that going. But if you're a
0: DJ, you should be able to shuffle your discs, yes. I mean. <laughs>
1: but... <laughs> And then, um, gosh, there was one other reason. Oh, and then I think people who are literally just getting into vinyl for the first time, and they're just curious. They they, they, they know what they like, and maybe it's a gift for someone. It could, could be lots of reasons. But every time I obviously say no, because like, no, no, the copyright law, that's yeah, very illegal. Yeah, you can't really be putting Madonna on a, no, not unless on your a name, record and selling it. unless your name is Madonna. <laughs> I'm not putting Madonna on a record for you. I'm very, very sorry. So, so things like that come up a lot. Um, I'll also get a lot of people— that, uh, again, because vinyl has had a resurgence, I'd say, in the past decade, you know? Absolutely. So a lot of people are wanting to just do something with it, but they don't really understand it. So like, for example, on a seven-inch record, uh, I can put about five minutes on each side, five minutes of audio. So someone will be like, oh, hey, uh, can I put this song on, on this record? And they'll send me like, a, oh, let's say a seven-minute song. I'm like, oh, actually, no, we can't put this on a seven-inch. I can put this on a 10-inch or a 12-inch for you, but th- I can only put five minutes on a, on a seven-inch record. And they're like, oh, well, can't we just make it fit? It's like aw, like it's literally space. Yeah. It's like literally space and time. Like it's we, we can't, it, it, we we literally cannot. I suppose you know? if
0: you yeah, if you don't um, I suppose
1: if you maybe if you didn't c- grow up with it, or you just yeah. really haven't thought about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you even thought about the the literal record, the literal grooves, the thirty three and a third revolutions per minute. Like you don't, you, if you don't think about it as a. Because definitely I get a lot of kids too, kids who are brand new to this right. world, and which I think is so cool. Absolutely, absolutely. That makes me very very happy. <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> me um, too. Yeah. And it's it's so great. Like one of my favorite things in the world to do is putting out um, an EP for a band where their entire EP fits on a seven inch. That makes me so happy. Like like young like punk bands today. Oh yeah. That makes me so happy. Where it's just like, oh, you kids, you're doing it. Good for you. That's <laughs> you know. Great. And. Yeah. Um, it's fun to— People are having
0: a—millennials tr- are tracking down turntables. Exactly. It's good. It's it, very good. It
1: is. And and most most people get it. I would say I only get angry people who are mad at me for not making hi-fi records maybe once a month. But it's so easy
0: to get hi-fi records.
1: Exactly. No, no my, my, my stance is very, very simple. It's that— if you want a hi-fi record, you can get it. And if you want something that sounds exactly like the digital file, you got the digital file. Like it's, it goes back to that camera and painting metaphor. It's like, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm making something else. I'm making a, a side path, a side route, and you don't have to have it. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm not insisting that everyone listens to lo-fi mono records that were handmade. That's, that's, that'd be silly. But if you want it, I got it for you.
0: I want. I want to right now. Why don't you play me the last one that you got queued up here? You got it. You got it.
1: Check out the label on this one. Uh, this is a yeah. band called uh, Undercover Monsters, and this is their EP called Trash Friends. And uh, great names, guys. They, they contacted me, and they're just like, the logo of the band is in this font. Can you write that on each of the records? I'm like, of course.
0: That's all you did. You just cut, just cut in the name in cursive. Yeah, I just I just
1: got my little etching tool and one record at a time.
0: Bzzz,
1: Bzz, 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 bzz. <laughs> and it's fun.
0: <laughs> that is certainly not something you
1: can call just anyone to do for you. No, no. But it's it's. Uh, I I like art. I like art for art's sake, and I like making things. And so, uh, if other people want to do those things, I'm here for them. You know. Uh, so yeah, this is a, a band called Undercover Monsters Trash Friends, and they make a, just you know some fun party pop punk kind of stuff. Oh, try to start from the beginning. it's fun
0: get some good foley in here yeah
2: We like the body, we don't cause trouble, we don't buy nobody does We're just kids who rock the mic right, when we rock the mic right, we rock the mic right. Lotti we like the body we don't cause trouble, we don't buy nobody does We're just some kids who rock the mic right, we rock the mic
0: right, we rock the mic right. Oh yeah. So you could probably get a lot of uh Punk songs on a 12-inch, yeah?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, A lot of times I've done a lot of um, single-sided punk 12-inch EPs. There's been a lot of that. And uh, and it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I mean, like, if if art is—actually, this is a big thing in my life in general. I really, really, really am happy that— becoming a musician is no longer a get-rich-quick scheme. Because you remember like back in, I'm going to say, the late 90s into the early 2000s, probably even longer ago, people wanted to become quote-unquote rock stars or pop stars or musicians in general because it was a get-rich-quick scheme. It was like, oh, that's how I'll make a lot of money, is I'll become a musician.
0: Well, that sort of ties in timeline-wise with like, particular kind of commodification of artists. You think of like the boy band era, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: that sort of thing. And not too long after that, that's when Napster kicked in and all these other things kicked in, which made it not so easy to make money from music. And so a lot of people who were only in it for the money, they went away. Mm. And I love that because (laughs) it means that anyone who's still doing it, they do it because they love it, and those are the best people in the world. Right.
0: I agree. Mm. Seth, tell me, tell the listening public where mm. they can find more about your record label.
1: Um, I would say the best place to find me is you go to hauntedbirthday.com. That's the, that's the main place. And then you can go from there to find the social media sites, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, actually, I, I suppose since we're talking so much about what these things look like, a really good place to go would be to my Instagram page, which would be at Haunted And there's a great couple of videos that you've done of yeah.
0: this process because describing it and seeing it are def- are definitely different things. So I will yeah. in- I will include uh,
1: a link to that in an easy to find place. Because I mean, like the um the the interesting thing about this process, like I've been saying, is a lot of it's education, like just letting people know what it is that I'm even doing, you know? And um, so that's why I made these videos. Well, I have learned
0: a lot today about exactly how this works, though I surely have a lot more questions. I think most of my questions might be the kind that – would bore people. Uh,
1: th- that's understandable, but I off, want to
0: talk more about that curve.
1: Off, Mike, you and I can talk <laughs> all day about all the really boring stuff. Yes, about like groove depth and the RIAA curve. Oh yeah. I, I mean, think about like the depths, of, the depth of sound. That is the difference between a traditional like hundred eighty gram record and me just pushing a ruby as hard as I can into a piece of plastic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm the depth of sound you can get from a quote unquote real record is so much deeper but that's that's that that's that trade off it's that well do you have 300 fans and a whole bunch of money or do you need two copies and you can do whatever you want <laughs> and it's it's a trade off you you do whatever you want to do
0: you got one more thing to play us play us out here um maybe <laughs> <laughs> a giant stack of handmade records
1: yeah it it all all depends on who I have uh, the rights from let's see here oh well no Mm. (laughs) I'll go ahead and say uh, thanks a lot for coming in and doing this absolutely and and thank you to the artists also that I contacted to say hey do you mind if we play your music on the show today thank you to them for allowing us to play their music publicly that's very nice of them thanks artists Mm mm-hmm
0: Elias Mason and June York, Pumashock, and Undercover Monsters for letting us play their music. The eyes, ears, hands, and brain behind Haunted Birthday Records is Seth Nicholas Johnson. See this process in action and get your own record produced at hauntedbirthday.com and follow up on everything you heard here at ephemeral.show.